Yo, what's up? How's everyone doing? Welcome to the Grace to Grow podcast. I'm Hannah, and this podcast is my lifetime documentation of the journey that God has chosen for me to travel. Let's get into today's topic. Good morning, everyone. Well, at least it's morning for me. Um, How y'all doing? Welcome to the Grace to Grow podcast. Um, Today, we're going to be talking about... A lot of different things, a lot of different things, a lot of different different things. Um, But what I really wanted to talk about was the sermon that I heard yesterday, because it was really good, um, and I just wanted to go over that. Now, he didn't dive too much in the scriptures for his sermon, but a lot of stuff that he was hitting on was powerful. I was like, yo, like, this is something that's real for me. Like, it was definitely a much-needed sermon that I needed to hear. Um, And so, yeah, it was very, um, what's it called, extemporaneous speech, you know? Like how they have, like, what the, I don't know what the other term of speech is, but it's, like, extemporaneous is the one where you kind of just, like, you've got, like, where you're going and you have, like, the notes listed out, but you're not reading directly off of that word for word. So, some of the things that he said was, first of all, this was really powerful. He said, what you consume is what you become. And I feel like that's true because, oh my gosh, <coughs> not me just not realizing this, but so what you consume is what you become. And earlier today, I was writing down all of these things that I feel like are my cares and concerns right now. And what I, what I've been doing is I've been watching like a lot of like like social media stuff i've been watching a lot of youtube recently i've been watching a lot of tiktok recently even though i don't have tiktok i watch compilations of tiktoks on youtube which is like girl just like like you might as well download the whole thing but i'm not gonna but like you might as well (laughs) but anywho um i've been watching so much of it and i feel like that's why i'm always feeling like like less than right now because right now I'm feel I'm I'm feeling like oh I need to go get this and I need to go buy these things and I need to look like this and I want to I want to buy this I want to buy that all this stuff like that and like it's not bad to want to go buy stuff and it's not bad to like really be into fashion or into things like that but like I feel like my interest in fashion is peaking right now um which is good it's great because I actually really do love like the way that I dress like I love like like paying attention to detail and getting stuff that looks nice and fits nice and all that stuff like that and so that's something that's been been becoming a really like interesting thing for me but the problem is when I'm constantly consuming media where that's the big thing um like fashion and how you look and outward appearance is the big thing then I end up overly compensating for that like I end up overly being invested in how I look and wanting to buy more things and have more things um just to be considered and seen and known as beautiful as opposed to already recognizing that within myself so I think because I continue to consume media that's so focused on you gotta wear makeup and you gotta look like this and you gotta look like that then I start like I start thinking in my mind I'm like oh I need to go buy makeup or I need to go buy this or I need to go buy that um and it's not bad to buy stuff like that's not a problem 
it's just what's the intent behind it because literally like I there's a store I love here I just went to it like a couple days ago but I went to this store called Uptown Cheapskate it's like a thrift store mixed with like a Ross and like I literally love it so much and I'm going back today like I am (laughs) I was at first I was like well I probably shouldn't go because like but I never said I was gonna buy anything I just want to go and look at the stuff that they have because it's really dope stuff that I really enjoy and so it's the intent behind it and I think at first I wanted to go because I wanted to go buy stuff and have new clothes and all this stuff like that whatever whatever but genuinely I just love like looking at stuff and seeing how stuff can be put together for a certain way and all that stuff like that but um what was I gonna say I also have a coupon I do I do I do they have 15% off on Mondays for teachers and I found a 30% coupon a 30% off coupon for um what's it called um on this app that they have for us at USF it's called like SL 101 like student life and they basically have like a bunch of coupons that people around the community like give like businesses around the community give out and stuff like that for us being students so I found a 30% off coupon and I also have a 50% off coupon on Mondays and on top of that they have like different tags that have different percentages off of it so I was like you know it could be my luck that I could find something I found something the last time I went there and I wasn't anticipating buying it but when I put that thing on I said this is coming home with me (laughs) But yeah, like it's the intent behind it. And I think, um, I think me just caring so much about it because, because I see other people caring so much about their appearance or I see how other people look and I'm like, oh, I want to look like that. And then I start caring too much about it, putting that care and concern above God rather than putting God above my caring and concerns. Um, so that was one thing he said, what you consume is what you become. He also said Jesus and justice go together. And I was like, you know what? You're right. You're right. <laughs> You're right. Jesus and justice do go together. So any church that tries to tell you otherwise, any church that tries to tell you, oh, don't get involved in the Black Lives Matter movement. Oh, don't uh, vote like social justice is like in whatever. Like any church that thinks otherwise is wrong and largely incorrect because Jesus and justice go together. Um And then he said, sometimes you have to deconstruct to rebuild in a healthy way. And I was like, yo, that's powerful because I feel like I've already deconstructed my faith or I'm in the process of doing so. I think I'm at the point now where I recognize, number one, my faith was largely based on my parents' faith. But now I'm starting to step into my own faith, which I'll talk a little bit more about in a minute because He actually goes through some different things of what it looks like to deconstruct faith. So I'll talk about that in a moment. But he said that deconstruction is the process of reevaluating your core beliefs um, or evaluating if the religious system that you have that you were nurtured in is really what you believe. But the deconstruction should not just be deconstructing for deconstruction, deconstructing sake, but it should actually draw you closer to God. Um, and so then that made me ask, what are my core beliefs? And quite frankly, I really don't know what my core beliefs are. Um, I know that he had some core beliefs that he had, like that every Christian, that Christians should have as core beliefs. And those are my core beliefs, I believe. Um, but I was thinking like, are there any other core beliefs that I, that I had? I think one more that I added on to what he said, cause he had like a list of like nine or 10. And then I added on one more, which I'll talk about in a minute, but I don't think that 
I don't know what any other core beliefs would be. And honestly, the list that he gave is a great list of core beliefs. So I think I'm just going to roll with that. Like, I don't think there's because it basically brings in a nutshell him the the core beliefs he mentioned brings in a nutshell what um well i'll just go ahead and go through it so he said the core beliefs is that we believe in the trinity god the father god the son god the holy spirit we believe in the authority of scripture we believe in god as the creator jesus as the son of god holy spirit empowered we believe in jesus's death burial and resurrection we believe in life after death we believe in sinners being saved by grace we believe in spiritual warfare and we believe that God established his church. And then I also wrote that um, I believe in the power of prayer. And I think those core beliefs are really like, honestly, now that I think about it, that is, that's everything. Like when I try to think of anything else that might be a core belief, it's not because these are the core ones. Like I do, I feel like I do believe in these things. Like I believe in the Trinity. I believe in Jesus as the son of God. And if, if he has that title, son of God, then all of his actions and the story behind Jesus being the son of God is true because Jesus is the son of God. So like, those are my core beliefs. Um, and if there's any other core beliefs, Lord, I pray that you reveal it to me and help me to see what other core beliefs, uh, might be, might be present. Um, and then he, he said that the pastor said that the devil doesn't attack your behavior. He attacks your belief system, how you see yourself and how you see God. And then he said that the God you see is the God you get. Not necessarily meaning that that's who God is, but that's saying if you see God as a person that's only transactional, then you're only going to get a God that's transactional because that's how you're approaching him. So that's what you're going to get. And if you see God as a loving God, then you're going to get a loving God. If you see God as a caring God, then you're going to get a caring God because you're going to believe so deeply that he's a caring God that you will see how his hand is working in your life. Like for me, this is powerful. For me, I see God as an orchestrator. I do. I see him as an orchestrator. And so therefore, everything in my life, I'm like, God orchestrated this. And I see everything in my life as God orchestrated as God's divine orchestration. Why? I know I just said orchestrated like 10 times, but why? Because I believe that. I believe so deeply that God is the person who aligns everything perfectly that whenever situations happen or things happen when they're great or sometimes when they're not so great, I can say to myself, okay, God did this for a reason. He moved these pieces around like this for a reason. Like I will meet random people and it will be great moments that are much needed for my soul and I will sit there and say, thank you, Lord, for orchestrating that for me. And like, I genuinely believe it. And so because I believe it, I can see it in my life. You know what I mean? I can see his hand orchestrating things in my life because I, I so richly believe, believe in that. So that's the God I see. I, the God I see is the God I get. Not saying that God isn't orchestrating the lives of other people. They just might not believe it. And so therefore, they might not see it. You know what I mean? Okay. Anywho. He also said stop signs are meant to be a blessing. It's a pregnant pause. And when he said pregnant pause, I was like that phrase. I like that. Like pregnant pause as in like a, an expectant pause. Um, and I thought that was cool because he was like, he went through this whole thing. He was so like passionate. I'm going to link the video, but he was so passionate because like he was like talking about stop signs and how if you, the stop sign is not meant to stop you from whatever you try to do stop you from driving it's supposed to stop you so that you don't 
destroy your future, your destiny. Because if you continue rolling past the stop sign, you have the potential to get hit and to get killed. And you stopping your own destiny. And so he said the stop signs are meant to be a blessing, a moment for you to have a pregnant pause. Um, and then he said reconstruction is a process of solidifying and confirming your core beliefs. Um, and so... Then he said that there's kind of three steps to this process of reconstruction. So first of first in faith, there's the the blind certainty. So that's the faith that you're given from your parents or borrowed faith. So it's basically like you have borrowed the faith from your parents or from your pastor or from your friends. So their faith is what's sustaining you in your faith. But we and he said we all have borrowed faith until our faith gets tested. And he goes through some of the things that like test or deconstruct our faith but the next step is deconstruction and then the final step is reconstruction and he said that people often get stuck because they don't know what they believe and then they get stuck in the deconstruction because they don't know how to get out of that cycle or that stuckness of the deconstruction and so some of the triggers of deconstruction of the faith or some of the 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 testings of our faith if you will these are things that I when he said this I was like Oh my gosh, this message was for me because that's literally what I've been feeling recently. So he said, human suffering, church hurt, college life or adulting, legalism, hypocrisy, family upbringing or just regular upbringing, spiritual abuse, moral failure in leadership or illegitimate or misplaced hurt. So when he talked about human suffering, that was the one that I connected to the most because literally yesterday, that day, I was writing and I was reading in my Bible and I forgot where I was reading. I think I was reading in Genesis and it was talking about how basically the slavery of the past times was not the slavery of the 19th century era in America. And it was kind of going through all that and stuff like that. And it was really cool because my Bible actually was like talking about that. And it was cool because I, I like looked up like the stuff that they have in the preface and everything of the Bible. And they were talking about their intention behind using the word slavery. And they were like in the ESV translation, we in, in this Bible in particular, they were like, we made sure to use the word slavery with the utmost precaution. They were like in situations where the translation was conducive for the word bond servant or servant to be used. They used that. But in the. In the translations where the word slavery was like the utmost meaning of it, then they would use that. But they were like, they I just liked the way that they talked about how they used it cautiously. They didn't just throw the word around, but they were like intentional about translating it to the best way that it could be represented because of the connotation that is associated with slavery. But it made me sit here and think like, oh my gosh, like for a second I was like, why did we have to face slavery? <laughs> like. Why do black people have to be the ones that were enslaved? And so then it just got me on this whole spiral because I was like part of blackness and part of being identifying as a black woman is having to come to terms with the fact that like your history includes slavery. And that's a, a huge part of your history. Um, not saying that's the only part of your history, but it's such a huge factor and it contributes to so many different things. And you can even still see the residue of it to this day and we'll still see the residue of it for a while but it's just one of those things where it's like as I've been operating more and more in my authentic self I've been finding and discovering more and more 
in my authentic self as a black woman, um, it I have to approach this this concept um, and this this um, like I don't know I guess hurt regarding slavery, and so I was asking God I was like God why did we have to be the ones to be enslaved like why why did black people have to be enslaved what's up with that um, and I still didn't get an answer but what was interesting was what the pastor said later on in this demonstration which I'll go through in a minute but that was the human suffering part of it so that human suffering recognizing like God why did you let all these people suffer that was a part of like deconstructing my faith yesterday where like my faith was deconstructing a little bit not in a bad way but it was just like in a way of like God like you know you said you're a good God and you're a loving God and all that stuff like that but why did we have to face this suffering and then church hurt I've also been feeling church hurt and I'm still feeling church hurt to this day um not only from past churches that I've been to but from current churches that I'm going to I'm just hurt by the way that churches are in general I mean literally me and my roommates had like an hour and 30 minute long conversation yesterday about the struggles of trying to find a good church like literally it's difficult and all of us conveniently enough are looking for church homes right now and what's surprising is it feels like everyone I know is looking for a church home like there's so many people who are just like yeah like I'm looking for a church to go to that you know whatever whatever like a lot of us settle for a church but like where are the good churches these days I'm not going to get in the whole topic about that because that's a lot but church hurt is real and even if you're not directly hurt by the people in the church, by their their attention to certain things or inattention to certain things, you can still be hurt. For example, New Life, I love the church. It's great. But their inattention to, or rather, their attention to, by specific pastors, their attention to certain like political things makes me feel hurt because I'm like, I'm like, oh, these are the people I'm worshiping with and they're over here dogging on abortion, not saying I'm going to go get an abortion or I, I entirely approve of abortion. But I'm just saying, like, that's something that's very tricky. It's not black and white, you know. And so by their incredible attention and focus on certain political things, it makes me feel hurt because I don't feel like it fully represents all perspectives or like other churches that I've been visiting their like inattention to certain things makes me say okay well I'm a little bit hurt by that because you're not really being for the people you know and then he talked about college life and adulting and how adulting will really test your faith and I was like that's so true because now that I'm no longer like living at home like it's really difficult like you really have to like be strong in God in order to be like a functioning adult like a well-functioning adult. Um, like it's, it's really difficult. It really is. Um, and then he talked about how legalism is causes a deconstructing of faith. Oh, and by the way, with adulting, I feel like, like as I've started school and everything like that, like I've been deconstructing my faith and deconstructing meaning like breaking it down, like breaking it down to be like, do I really believe in this or like not believe in God? But like, do I really believe in this specific aspect or you know, did God really say this? Did God really, is God really who he says he is? And will he really do what he says he gonna, He says he's going to do? Because that's what faith is. Faith is believing that 
God is who he says he is and he's going to do what he said he's going to do. And so whenever you start having questions about who God is or start having questions about what he's going to do, that's like deconstructing the faith. That's like breaking it down and saying, okay, do I really like believe that he said you believe in who he is, believe in what he's going to do. And so I feel like I've been doing that a lot as an adult, (laughs) like, I know God said that he's this, but this is how I'm feeling right now. Or this is what I'm experiencing right now. And it's just interesting. It's very interesting. Okay. He said legalism is another thing that like triggers the deconstructing of faith. And I think of it like when people really face legalism in churches or in any institution, really, it really starts causing you to to deconstruct your faith and it's causing you to start like, Sometimes removing yourself from the faith, sometimes separating yourself from the faith, but like, yeah. And then hypocrisy, when people see that Christians say one thing and act another way, uh, your family upbringing causes you to like deconstruct the faith. Like sometimes people face a lot of trauma or things of that nature, and it causes them to have to break down the faith and really question, do I believe in God, you know? or spiritual abuse, moral failure, and leadership. The one that I thought was interesting, too, was illegitimate or misplaced hurt. So people being hurt because other people are trying to correct them in a loving way, and they're hurt by that. Or people trying to uh, guide them and them being stubborn. And that reminded me of my older brother. And, yeah, that was just interesting, like, the deconstructing of the faith. And those are some of the triggers that cause us to deconstruct our faith and these things aren't bad so human suffering church I mean not that they're not these things in and of themselves are not bad but the fact that they trigger deconstruction is not bad deconstructing your faith is not bad deconstruction simply means just evaluating those core beliefs and evaluating do you really believe what you say you believe so human suffering church hurt like all these things that are triggers of deconstructing the faith it's not bad to be triggered to deconstruct your faith but what is bad is when you get stuck in in the deconstruction period or you get stuck and it becomes not just deconstruction but destruction because those are two different things deconstruction that come in it means like removing separating taking apart but destruction means destroying it means damaging burning whatever whatever else like breaking so we're breaking it down we're not breaking it (laughs) we're breaking it down and so that's what it looks like to deconstruct your faith but then you can't just stay at the deconstruction period you have to go and reconstruct your faith and how you reconstruct your faith is you first consider what are your core beliefs and that's why he listed out those core beliefs that we should have as as christians um and then also like if you have other core beliefs that you could add kind of on to that then you add those things onto there but like those you should have your uh, core beliefs and then um yeah 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 yeah. okay then another thing that he said that I thought was really cool was he said the greatest testimony of a believer is a consistently holy lifestyle and I was like yo you're on to something with that like when he said that I had to write that down because that's so true like the greatest testimony that you could ever have as a believer is living not just holy but living consistently holy like consistently so so that other people can see by your fruit the god that you serve um and then 
<sighs> okay, this is a lot. I didn't realize how much he went through. Like, okay, one thing I will say about discernment, it was good, but it felt like he was jumping all over the place, girl. Like he was, I mean, it was connected and everything was like flowing well, but it just felt like a lot of different, like things, like a lot of different things. Um, and he had these slides and stuff like that. So I felt like I was in class taking notes. Oh my goodness. It was so funny, but no. So then he went and he drew this like drawing and so basically there's like different circles and it's like the circle like there's an inner circle and then there's like a bigger circle around that and then a bigger circle and then a bigger circle and so in the inside circle it says essentials and absolutes so basically your essentials are written in blood these are essentials in the faith like essentials meaning those core beliefs that are absolute they are written in blood Christ's blood might I add they are written in Christ's blood these are things that you should be bold in that you should say without a doubt this is true without a doubt the trinity is true without a doubt there is the authority of scripture without a doubt without a doubt God is our creator without a doubt Jesus is the son of God without a doubt the Holy Spirit empowers us without a doubt Jesus's death burial and resurrection were the true event that happened and it was recorded in the Bible Without a doubt, there is life after death. Without a doubt, sinners are saved by grace. Without a doubt, spiritual warfare is real, but we serve a God who is mightier than the enemy. Without a doubt, God establishes church. And without a doubt, there is power in prayer. And so when we can confidently say those things, those are our essentials. Those are those things that are, that are essential to the faith, essential aspects and core beliefs of the faith. And they're written in blood. Then you have the next layer, the next outer circle, which is convictions and convictions are written in pen. Convictions are written in pen. They can be you can white out it. You know, you can, you know, write down stuff and stuff like that. But your convictions, you should be humble in because the Holy Spirit gives different convictions to everyone. And so while we should hold true to our convictions, we don't have to hold everyone else true to our convictions. The Holy Spirit gave us these convictions because that's what's going to get us closer to God. Convictions are just simply tools that the, that the Holy Spirit uses to draw us closer to God. And so your convictions are, are, are for you because that's what is, is wired so that the way you know, that is what is created so that the, the way that you are wired can be drawn closer to God. For example... For me, there's certain convictions about the way that I dress. Now, other people might be able to dress another way and not feel convicted by it. That's fine. That's them. But for me, there's certain convictions for the way that I dress. First of all, I'm convicted in the way that I dress because I know the way that I am wired. And I am wired in a very uh, way that I can be very lustful at times. And so to have certain people give me attention would be damaging for me. It would draw me farther from God. Um, and so it, your convictions are just like basically things that, that help you to draw closer to God when you obey them. When you obey those convictions that the Holy Spirit gives you, it draws you nearer to God. And so when we get all uptight about other people's convictions or we get all uptight about people following our convictions, that's that's erroneous because we're meant to have those convictions like those are our convictions. You know what I mean? Um, for us, they are intended for us so that we can be drawn closer to God. So in your convictions, you should be humble. You should be 
humble and recognizing that that this is how it is for me and hold true to your your convictions don't change for other people's convictions hold true to your convictions but that doesn't mean that other people are wrong in their convictions (laughs) like the best example I can think of was like I I don't cuss at all and I don't plan on um, allowing my children to cuss but me and MJ were talking one day and MJ was like yeah like if my kids want to say a cuss word when they stub their toe then like yeah they can because it does hurt like that like you know whatever fill in the blanks um and I was like <laughs> in my mind I was like okay I wouldn't do that but that's her and that's her life and that's what she wanted and that's what she convicted with because she t- she said that for her words are meaningless unless you give them the power over you like that um but for me personally I feel like words are entirely meaningful and I feel like the words that come out of my mouth are reflections of what's in my heart, which is why I don't sing songs that have cuss words in it because I know that 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 what I'm speaking, what I am singing holds so much weight subconsciously, but that's just for me. So that's my conviction. That doesn't mean that's the same thing for her. And so if I were to get uptight about that, if I were to not be humble in that situation and recognize, oh, that's her and this is me, like, then I would have been uptight about it. But it doesn't matter because these are convictions. It's not the essentials. We still believe the same essentials. We still believe in the Trinity. We still believe in the authority of Scripture. We still believe in God as the creator. We still believe in Jesus as the son of God. Like, we still believe in those same core values, those same essentials. But it's just our convictions may look different. Um, and so, therefore, we need to be humble in our convictions. The next layer is opinions. <clears throat> So our opinions um, and then the final layer is questions. So opinions and questions kind of go together, but it's like four rings. Uh, so they're like it's in two separate rings. But opinions and questions are both written in pencil because you could easily erase and change your opinions. You could easily erase and change your questions. And so therefore, these are written in pencil. They matter, but they can easily be changed, easily be swayed. Your, your opinions can be easily swayed. Your questions can be easily swayed. And so in your opinions, you need to be respectful. These are things that aren't really vital to the faith. Your opinions being brought into the church house isn't necessarily vital, especially if you are a pastor or a person in leadership. You need to be talking about the essentials. And that's it. <laughs> you don't need to bring your opinions to the stage. You can leave those. You can leave those at the door Um, because in your opinions, you need to be respectful. But your opinions at the end of the day are your opinions. These are just things that you simply think should be true, but they can obviously change and they often do change. Our opinions change over time. So when people get so hard set in their opinions as if their opinions are essentials, as if their opinion on abortion is in a line is is on the same a platform as uh, Jesus being the son of God. Like they're like, yeah, Jesus is the son of God. That's true. And also abortion is terrible. Like they hold those at the same level. That's not the same. That's not the same level. That's not the same level. Those are two. Those are two different things. Jesus being the son of God is an absolute fact. And it's true in every situation. Abortion being terrible isn't necessarily true in every situation. And so those are opinions. And we need to really get out of having our opinions and our questions be our essentials. And so in your opinions, you need to be respectful. You need to be respectful of your opinions. I mean, of other people's opinions. 
Um, but you also need to have other people being respectful of your opinions. And that's just how that works. And then in your questions, you need to be wise. So meaning, um, like when you're asking questions, especially if you're asking God questions, you need to be wise in the questions that you're asking. You know, sometimes I think we ask foolish questions, um, and then we get upset when we don't get an answer or we start trying to make up our own answer to answer that question. When in reality, we need to ask questions with wisdom. We need to really seek God and ask him the questions. Like, for example, me asking the question about slavery. I could have looked anywhere to find the answer to that. But I, instead, I asked God the question because he's the only one that really knows why he allowed, why he was the one that allowed slavery to happen, the enslavement of, of African-Americans to happen. So, like, it's really wisdom, exercise wisdom when asking questions. Um, sorry for the barking in the background, by the way. And so basically I'm going to go through this again, but you should be bold in your essentials, meaning your, your core beliefs, bold in your essentials. You should be humble in your convictions, respectful in your opinions and wise in your questions. And one thing that he said was that, um, everyone's got it flipped these days where they're bold in their opinions and their questions instead of being bold in their essentials. And I was like, that's powerful because bold means unwavering. It means not changing courageous. So you should, you can be changing in your opinions and questions, but with your essentials, you should not be changing or, or, or swayed in any way, shape or form. And so he said, in order to have the healthy deconstruction of faith, you must take scripture and history, take your solid experiences that you've had and move closer to God. Um, and so, yeah, that was just really interesting. Um, and he said that this is a journey to authentic faith, like a journey of authentic faith looks like deconstructing, taking what you've known, deconstructing it, breaking it down to the bare bones, seeing and seeing wood, and then rebuilding it in a way that is conducive to your growth and health in God. And then, yeah. So one thing he said was evaluate your appetite and what you give access to. What is your appetite for information and affirmation? Now, let me tell you something. When he said appetite for information and affirmation, I say, yo, you're hitting me in the chest. Because I've been recognizing that recently I have been having an incredible appetite, greediness, if you will, for information and for affirmation. Affirmation in the sense of like wanting people to applaud me for what I've done or really being like really holding on to the words that people say when they affirm me, which is important to be affirmed and it's important to be encouraged, but I should not hold on to those words as if like that's what's that's what's making me me. God is what makes me me, not the words of of man. So, I need to be careful with that. And then also my appetite for information I've been finding is increasing too of like constantly seeking answers to stuff, constantly seeking to learn more and learn more and learn more. And it's important to learn more. But like there's a certain point when you are seeking knowledge before you're seeking God. Anytime you're seeking something before you're seeking God, it's a problem. And I think recently it's not necessarily knowledge, but I've been seeking entertainment so much before I've been seeking God. Like I will literally sit there for hours and hours and hours. I stayed up till four o'clock last night, guys. Four o'clock last night. This is horrible. I stayed up till four o'clock last night watching YouTube. For what reason? I couldn't tell you. And it wasn't even anything that was really necessary. But I did it because I sought entertainment over God. And when you seek anything else over God, 
You get so far out in the ocean that you don't realize how far you've drifted. Anywho, uh, I'm preaching to myself, y'all. I'm preaching to myself. I need an organ backing me up because I'm preaching to myself today. Um, he said, just evaluate your appetite and what you're giving access to. And I realized I'm giving access to a lot of, first of all, I'm giving access to a lot of other people's opinions because I'm constantly watching YouTube and I'm constantly hearing other people's thoughts and ideas and whatever. So I'm, I'm, I'm filling my mind with that and then wondering why I struggle with having certain cares and concerns. Why do I care so much about this? Why do I care so much about that? Why do I care so much now all of a sudden about how I look? Why do I care so much about like, um, like, you know, whatever, like, why do I care so much about these things, about having a boyfriend or a guy best friend? Why do I care so much? Because I'm constantly seeing that. I'm constantly consuming that. So then I'm, therefore I'm going to care about it because I'm giving access to that because of my appetite for it. And then he said to evaluate your beliefs. Um, and I think those core beliefs that he mentioned on here are the core beliefs that I want to have. Like, these are the things I truly believe. But I think there's a lot of other beliefs that have snuck their way into my mind things like believing that um like what what can i say what is a belief that might have snuck in i don't know y'all i can't even tell you but evaluate your beliefs and then the last thing he said was evaluate what conclusions you uh come to because your conclusions will always dictate your conduct and you know what let me talk on that for a minute your conclusions will always dictate your conduct this man was dropping bangers like he was every there was always these little one-liners that I was like yo let me write that out um but your conclusions will always dictate your conduct that's true anytime people make assumptions and they jump to conclusions it dictates their conduct it dictates how they act and that's just very interesting but anywho that's everything for today I know that was a little bit long going through those sermon notes but it's really cool. And today I ended up reading Psalm 51. If any of you guys are ever in, let me say this. If any of you guys are ever in like a real moment where you just feel so sinful and you feel so down and you feel so like, oh my gosh, I can never overcome this sin. Da, 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 da. Read Psalm 51. Read Psalm 51. That has been the backbone for me since the summer has been the backbone for me. Whenever I'm like really falling deep in sin like how I fell deep in it yesterday literally I read Psalm 51 and it just does something and I read it this morning and I was like whoa like it talks about that's that's where that song created me a clean heart and purify me comes from because it, that's where that comes from because it's like it says create in me let me look it up because I have it right I have the bible open right here I have the Bible open right here. I have the Bible open right here. I have the Bible open right here. Hold on, hold on. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's see, that's the also the problem. It's like I watch so much TikToks that all I have is just these different audios in my mind. Because TikToks, what the thing about TikToks is is it jumps from so many different topics, so many different sounds, so many different songs, so many different phrases, so many different sentences that you just end up having a compilation of all these different thoughts in your mind that are not your own. And so every every five seconds, I'm literally quoting something, um, which it can be funny sometimes. But sometimes I'm like, why is this still in my mind? But anyway, um, so Psalm 51. 
I could just read the whole thing. Um, but before I do that, I just wanted to say today I did this thing where I wrote down my cares and concerns. So some of the cares and concerns that I wrote down was, uh, what other people think of me not being good enough. Um, the person that I was like, like having a little bit of like interest in, I know I said it was, so basically, basically there was like a whole thing that happened when I went to a concert and I met like a person and we ended up becoming cool friends. But then I also like, we also had like a, like a little mutual interest thing going on. Um, and we actually even like talked about that that day and like, it was cool and it was like nice and stuff. And like, I told myself, I was like, well, I actually don't really like him like platonically, but I think I like the idea of liking someone and I like the idea of someone liking me. And so even though I genuinely like do not feel like feelings for him because I don't know him like that like I don't know him enough to feel romantic feelings for him I genuinely feel platonic feelings for him in my mind my mind wants to convince me that I I want to like him because it wants to convince me like oh girl like you should like him and so when he didn't text me back and still hasn't texted me back yet which is fine it's not a problem but my mind wants to make it feel like it's a problem because it's like oh like it just it wants to feel some type of way about it even though, <clears throat> and that's something that's annoying. My mind should be a lawyer. The way it be trying to convince me of stuff, like, I could be a lawyer, y'all. I really could. Because, like, why am I sitting here trying to convince myself that, first of all, that I like this person? And second of all, that I'm supposed to be in a relationship with this person? When I don't even know him, y'all. I don't know him. <laughs> uh, and so, I don't know why I got so, like, I, I cared so much about the fact that he hasn't texted me back. And I still, in my mind, I'm caring about it, even though I'm trying, like, I'm trying to work through that because I know that I don't like him like that. And I know that I want to let go of that expectation of myself liking him or that expectation of, like, him being in conversation with me. And he could genuinely be, like, doing stuff or just forgot. Like, there's a lot of things that happen. Like, first of all, guys forget things and well, people in general forget things. But, like, when I've learned to stop having this expectation of guys texting me back or calling me frequently, I've actually developed really cool friendships with them. Because, like, I just let go of that expectation. Like, me and my friend Keem, we're, like, really cool. Like, we check in with one another probably, like, once every three months. But, like, we're always dope together. Like, we're always having good conversations and stuff. And so, like, and then also my friend Jovan, like we barely text and like we barely even hang out but like when we do talk no it's it's lit it's good um and so like I've learned that like as I let go of that expectation of like they need to text me every day like if they're gonna be my friend we need to be talking every week like we don't talk every week we don't talk every month (laughs) sometimes we go a little while without it and people are just busy like people have other lives and so like I think I got so uptight and caring so much about him not texting me back because I was like, oh my gosh, like, why isn't he texting me? And then, like, it was so funny because he was asking me, he was like, oh, like, are we going to FaceTime? And I was like, yeah. But, like, I told him to, to FaceTime me first. And then in my mind yesterday, I was like, yo, I should go ahead and FaceTime him. But then I was like, nah, because I want to see. I don't know. It's a lot. It's a lot. Not a, it's not even that much, girl. But it's just like that the care and concern about it like that's it's okay to be 
interested in someone and to care about wanting to see like your friendship develops you know whatever and it's okay to care about someone because you think you might like them like that's fine but when it becomes in place of God when it becomes over God that's the problem and I think that's becoming the problem is I'm caring so much about it I'm thinking so much about it and I don't want to um another care or concern is having more essentially like having nice clothes wearing cool slash beautiful things uh doing all of these different things like wearing makeup and wanting to be seen and known as beautiful by others um that's something that's been a care and concern for me recently another like concern for me is like performing well in my classes in my internship another care is having a boyfriend and a guy best friend which is so crazy because like first of all I already have a best friend (laughs) But I keep seeing so many of my friends having guy best friends. And I'm like, I want one. Like, I saw, <laughs> uh, there's like this new like trend on TikTok. It was like, basically like, I saw this TikTok yesterday. It was like, um, or it might have been this morning because, you know, I was up till four. But it was like, um, it was like, um, when I see people who have a, a guy best friend and then the audio was like, uh, where y'all got that? Amazon? <laughs> and I really do be wanting to ask my friends like where y'all got that Amazon because like I really do want a guy best friend that I'm like really close with because okay so Kamari Kamari has a guy best friend she's really close with Manny and like they're like tight like they like talk all the time and then like I have another friend like one of my roommates has a really close guy friend and like they're so close and I love how close they are together like it's, it's so awesome and I'm always like oh my gosh I want one of those like I want a guy best friend but I also feel like do I even, like, like, could I even, like, manage having a guy best friend right now? Because, like, I don't know if I would end up liking him. And that, because that's happened a lot in the past where I would have guy best friends and then I'd end up liking them. And, although, I did have a guy best friend one time, Josh, and I didn't, no, actually I had two. No, actually I had three, well, I had two and a half. I had Josh, I never ended up liking him. Like, I, you know, of course, thought he was handsome, but I never ended up actually, like, liking him, liking him. Because he was so, like, silly all the time. I never was, like, interested. And I had another guy best friend, Johnny. Johnny and I used to talk all the time. I actually miss him. Some days I want to check up on him because I'm like, how's he doing in life? But we used to talk all the time. I remember we would call and FaceTime, like, every day. Actually, I used to call and FaceTime Josh every day. Yo, we were really close. What were we even talking about every day? Like... (laughs) <laughs> what what do we talk about every day that we were that that consistent anyway um but both of them I never ended up liking them but I did have another guy best friend that I ended up liking but that's besides the point anywho I feel like that desire just stems from me seeing so many people around me who have guy best friends and me being like I want one because I really wanted to have a guy best friend and you know okay um and then also me just wanting to have a boyfriend which quite frankly every time I say that like I only want it when I see other people having a boyfriend but genuinely like I don't really know if that's even what I want you know like I don't even know I don't even know if that's even what I want for real for real for real this time for real for real this time you make my earthquake okay I'm done um and then another concern recently has been spending too much money 
which is so funny that I'm talking about me spending too much money, like talk about my finances. And then I'm talking about, but I'm about to go to the store today. <laughs> Do I even want to go to the store today is the real question. Because if, if my finances are so bad, apparently maybe I should not go. I don't even know if I feel like going. I don't know if I have the energy. I think I'm going to just go to the park today. That's it. But anywho. And then also, I said I'm sensing this growing concern slash attention to how I look, which is fine. Um, it's it's okay to want to pay attention to how you look and, and, and want to look nice and stuff like that. But I'm also finding that like every time I look nice or dress up nice, like I'm always looking to see who's checking for me. Who's checking for me? No one's checking for you, baby. Like, chill out, first of all. No one's checking for you. Second of all, um, watch your mouth. No. <laughs> I'm so sorry, guys. My mind is just, it's just like I got all these audios in my head and I can't get them out of my brain. Um, that was a reference to a, to a TikTok, by the way, or any of them. But anywho, um... What was I saying? Oh, yeah. It's not a problem to want to be focused on how I look, but that's when it becomes over God, you know, all that stuff like that. So I wrote down my cares and concerns. And then I said, Lord, I take all these concerns and I bring them to you. I ask you to come down. I I don't ask you to come down, but rather I lift my problems up to you. Because sometimes we be wanting God to come down to the situation when he wants us to bring the situation up to him. Because we got to remember that he is God. And then I wrote down my God, dot, 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 dot. And I had a whole bullet point list of what my God is. I said, my God is bigger than the boogeyman. My God is faithful. He never let me down. He always provides. Um, Every time I'm in a rut, he always shows me a way out and a way to draw near to him. My God is loving. He cares about my cares and concerns, but he also recognizes that my cares and concerns are nothing in comparison to who he is. My God is the God of the Bible, the one who was the one who was by the sides of Moses and David and Abraham, the one who gave victory to Joshua and Jehoshaphat, the one who orchestrated the lives of Ruth and the disciples to perfectly glorify, glorify him. <clears throat> I said, my God is the God of old and the God of the now. He is eternal and sovereign. He is the God of my past. He is the God of my present and he is the God of my future. My God is a great, is gracious. All the times that he could have took me out, but he didn't. All the times he chose to spare my life. All the times he chose to choose me. That's the best feeling. To know that God chose me. He chose to choose me. And I feel like writing that was really encouraging for me today. Because just even the beginning phrase that I wrote every time. My God. My God. My God. Like it made it personal to me to remember this is the God I serve. This is the God I believe in. This is my creator, my God, dot, 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 dot. And then I just started writing. And as I kept writing, I was like, yo, this is really deep. Like, this is my God. Like, I'm I'm over here bragging on him because I'm like reminding myself of who he is. And then after that, I wrote, thank you, Lord, for dot, dot, dot. And then I just wrote like a list of things that I was thankful for. And let me tell you all something. There's this new song that I heard. It's called used to this by maverick city music i heard it yesterday at church y'all when i tell y'all you might hear if you watch the sermon that i'm linking you might hear it because they sang it last last yesterday and it was really good really good song really good song i've recently been been 
getting reinterested in worship music because for a little while I was like I hate worship music I don't like it like I don't like Maverick City music da 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 but I think the problem was I just was feeling overwhelmed because they were constantly coming out with new songs every five seconds every five seconds and all the songs started sounding the same and so I ended up getting out of like interest with worship music but I'm starting to get more interested in worship music again but in a different way like I don't necessarily listen to worship music on my car rides to school but I will listen to worship music like while I'm reading my bible or like something like that and it's always encouraging and so I've been finding that that's been very helpful but anywho that's everything and that's all I have to talk about today oh no it's not because I have to read Psalm 51 so like I said for those of you who are possibly going through just a moment where you're just like I am so sinful like I I literally hate the way that I keep sinning and you're just feeling like down in the dumps you know there's uh psalm 51 the title of it is creating me a clean heart it says to the choir master a psalm of david when nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into bathsheba talking about talking about david so this was after him and bathsheba you know how after he had been with bathsheba and then nathan was talking to him and was like yo you shouldn't have done that and so then this is like uh his thing this is what david says so he says have mercy um have mercy on me O god or that also translates to be gracious to me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth and the inward being, and teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. Also, it says, like, another translation, instead of renew a right spirit within me, it says, renew a steadfast spirit in me, within me. Um, cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. That's my favorite line in this. Restore, restore to me the joy of your salvation, like the joy of his saving grace. Restore to me the joy of the fact that you have saved me and uphold me with a willing spirit. Uh, then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Um, they also say, like, I will teach the rebellious your ways and sinners will return to you. Uh, deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in, sac- will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with the burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings, and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. That, this whole passage, like, yo, when, when God showed me this over the summer, this whole passage has stuck with me. And, like, I just love it so much. I really do read this. I don't read it as frequently as I should. But 
I read it this morning and I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about this. <laughs> like, this is, this is why I read this. This is why I read the Bible, guys, because it's helpful. I always forget that. Like, I go for long absences and then I'll be like, oh yeah, like, the Bible is helpful. Like, it does do what it needs to do. But, anywho, that's everything for today. I hope you guys have a great day. Um, Grace and peace to all of you. Peace be with you. May the force be with you. Um, have a great day. I'll see you all next time. And adios. Hasta luego. Hasta mañana. Goodbye.